fantastic. Good morning. Have you ever made the monumental error when you're sick or poorly at home to Google your symptoms? Perhaps some of us have. A few hands going up. That's great. You know, you've got a fever, a temp your temperature, you've got a headache. And as you're typing in your symptoms, you then add a few things, don't you? Like, oh, my back's been hurting a little bit, and maybe I've got a gammy knee. And you put all of those things together, and then all of a sudden, Google throws up all of these symptoms that then become this diagnosis. And we read those things, and if you've ever done that, you then end up with your heart pounding and your kind of sense of, oh no, I think I've got something major and serious. This is now called cyberchondria. Cyberchondria. And one person um, put this, I think this is a bit of a joke, but they just said, this is the desire to update your will after searching for health symptoms online. And, um, you know, as we think about those things, we think about the power of the mind, the power of the mind. Perhaps you started a gym program this year, and I hope that's going really, really well for you. And um, if you've done that for a few weeks, sometimes we have this moment where we then think, is this really having an impact? Is this getting anywhere? And perhaps if you've then looked at yourself in the mirror and thought, this isn't really doing very much, you then kind of begin to lose momentum and perhaps motivation to get to the gym, and then you think, oh, perhaps I'll stop going altogether. But the power of the mind is really, really important because what it does in those moments is that we think something, and then it has an effect on us and our, our body has a reaction inside of us. Then actually our reactions, our emotions, our bodily um, responses to those things shift and change because of something that we have thought. Our thoughts are very powerful and very important. And over the next four weeks, we're gonna be looking at different areas of wholeness, our physical wholeness and physical life, our spiritual wholeness, emotional wholeness, and our relational wholeness. And if we're gonna look at each of these areas, or get to grips with them in terms of our lives. And I believe we've got to start with our mindset, because in each of these things, what we think about those areas is going to shift and change how we approach them and what wholeness we're going to be able to find in them because of what we think, because of what we think. So the battle is actually in the mind. Selwyn Hughes put it this way, to win the battle of the mind is to win one of the greatest areas of life. It is said that no real change can take place until a person's thinking is changed. No real change can take place in our lives until our thinking is changed. Now God has given us a gift, an incredible gift of the, our mind and our thinking. He's given us this so that we can use it, so that we can apply it, so we can um, apply ourselves and our thinking. And we're going to look at a few areas that the Bible helps us to understand how do we use our thinking, how do we renew our thinking, how do we connect with that, so that actually we can fix our minds and our thinking onto good things of heaven, and we can be transformed as a process of that. Our mindset is going to be where the battleground for our change and transformation needs to take place. And so as we journey through over the next four weeks um, of our series, I want us to get a foundation that helps us to see that this mindset thing is going to en enable us to move forward with clarity. The battle is in the mind. And so our first point is this, we need to renew our minds. If you've got a Bible with you, you can turn to Romans chapter 12. And um, you'll also see on the screen, renew your minds. And we've got a, a short Bible, verse, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, which gives us just a, um, a 
really, really good summary of what it means to be transformed. So Romans 12 verse 2 just says this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then we're able to test and approve what the will of God is, God's perfect will, his pleasing will, his good will. Now, there's a couple of words here, a couple of principles that I just want to unpack for us and help us walk through, because I think as we look at these, it's really important that we understand the contrast and the difference that Paul is looking to bring out here. He says, do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed in the renewing of your mind. So there's conform, and then there's transformed. If we conform, literally to conform just means to comply with the standards or the rules or the laws of that thing. So if we're going to conform to the pattern of the world, there is a pattern that the world has that is looking for us to conform to it, that actually will comply with it, that will comply with its standards, its rules, its regulations, its laws. But what Paul is saying is be transformed as your mind is renewed because then you will understand the will of God. So this has to do with our connection with God. Now the reality is that we, we are being conformed all of the time. There's, there's something forming in us in every moment of every day. The world is bombarding us with messages. Society has ways of life and culture, approaches to things which shift and change, but those things are bringing pressure to us. The things that we watch, the things that we read, the things that we think about, the things that we connect with, all of these things are forming something inside of us, the habits, patterns. It's actually forming neural pathways in your brain that actually form ways that you respond and the ways that we respond to different things. Now, over the last 12 years or 10, 10 or 12 years or so, we've seen what is quite radical and unprecedented change in society. And 12 years ago marked the launch of the smartphone. Now, the smartphone did a couple of things and brought a few things all together. It brought technologies that were already out there in terms of the internet and um, access to those things, it brought um, text messages, telephone, all of those things into one place and into one device. And over the 12 years, we've seen a radical move towards apps, towards connection, whether it's news, whether it's um, different platforms for messaging services, whether it's um, social media, this whole thing has just emerged in the last 10 or 12 years. Yet it's hard to imagine or remember a world without it, isn't it? that actually on our phones we have access to all of this stuff. If you ever need any information, if you want to know about the weather, if you don't, you don't have to go to um, teletext anymore, do you? Type in the numbers and kind of wait for the pages to go round. You just, um, some people don't know what that is, but um, you literally just, you just Google it, don't you? Or, just, or um, you just have a look, you just, it's just an app. It's just you launch something, you find that information. It's available, available to us straight away. It's actually, quite incredible and quite scary when you begin to look at what are the aims of the tech companies. Now their aim literally is to monetize our attention. Their aim is literally to get our attention. So they actually say they're working out ways all of the time to get your attention and to get it focused on what they want it to focus on. Because literally every click, every scroll, everything that you look at is then worth something for them. And so it's actually said that the product isn't the phone 
we are becoming the product. That actually the things that we're looking at, the things that we're connecting to are causing us to be a product. It shapes our world, it shapes the things that we buy, the things that we like, the things that we connect to. John Mark Comer says, what you give your attention to is the person you become. What you give your attention to is the person you become. The average iPhone user touches their phone 2,617 times a day. 2,617 times a day. The average user touches their phones. The use, most average user is about two and a half hours on our phones. For millennials, that's double. And so it must be touching their phone, must be double that. But there's a need, isn't there, to be connected, to check my email, to check um, news, to look at stuff that's going on. What are my friends doing? What is everybody up to? Now, I think it's really important that we take a moment to step back and say, what is this forming in us? What are the habits that actually it's creating? In a world where life seems so busy, the time-saving devices seem to have given us no extra time. But actually what seems to have taken place is our attention and actually our distraction is moved on to things that actually aren't necessarily that healthy for us. We see at the same time rising mental health issues, anxiety, depression, that seem linked to or connected to our use of smartphones and their resulting technology. For me, I'd, um, the start of my day and the end of my day was always emails and news. And to start your day with that stuff and to end your day with that stuff just means that you're never really switched off, but you're always just thinking about stuff. That actually the first thing in the day, you're thinking about what's coming up, what's next, rather than thinking about God himself. There's a pattern that those, these things bring into our lives that causes us to conform to the pattern of the world. Now, I'm not saying or advocating we should be anti-technology or we should just switch off um, everything, but I just want, want, us to, want to encourage us to take a step back and to say, what is this forming in us? In a world where my conversations are so often led by or marked by a distinct lack of time to spend time with God, to get into the Word, to pray, to read Scripture, to, to inspire other people, to be connected with other people face to face, to meet together in a world where it seems like our time is squeezed, our attention and moments of time are so easily given over to things that actually I just wonder if they're helping us at all. Now, if you're interested in that or want to read any more about that, I want to recommend um, a book to you. John Mark Comer has written a brilliant book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And um, he takes the definition of hurry not just as being slightly busy, but as being anti-Jesus um, and anti-spiritual formation. Because hurry is that sense that we perpetually need to rush through things. I was chatting to Tom Law about this book, and we were both laughing about the fact that we were rushing through the book to try and get it finished because we thought it was really good. And we thought, actually, we just need to take a bit more time um, on those things. But the world is looking to conform our thinking into a certain way of being. But Paul is saying, don't go with the patterns that the world is trying to give you. Don't comply with those things, but be transformed in the renewing of your mind. To be transformed is actually to make a marked change to the form or the nature or the appearance of something. So if our mind or is going to be transformed and then we're going to be renewed in that process, then what it's going to cause is a marked change in who we are, our form and our nature. Now all of us have been formed by our upbringing, the things that have taken place in our lives. We have a sense of being formed. 
Yet at the same time, what we see here is that actually we can be transformed. You and I can be transformed. You can be changed. There's a marked difference that can come in our lives. So often it's, it's easy to say, isn't it, you know, I respond this way because this is who I am. Or I behave this way because this is what I've learned and this is what I do, as if we're stuck to those things. But actually our mindset, our thinking, our behavior can be changed and transformed. I think it's an important thing that we've got to understand that God isn't looking to add something to our lives by being part of our lives. God is looking to overthrow the life that we've currently been living. He wants to transform that completely. God isn't a bolt on to our lives just to make it a little better, you know, be the best version of yourself and somehow just improve yourself. God is looking to overthrow the patterns that we've had. Dallas Willard puts it this way, the ruined life, which is what he calls the life that we're in now, the ruined life or the life we have been living before Jesus. The ruined life is not to be enhanced, but replaced. So often we're thinking or or applying ourselves to this and thinking, if I could just be a little bit better, or if I could just change this or add this into my life, then things would improve, or I'd be a better version of myself. I believe what God is looking for in our lives is to take hold of those things that are not of him and to completely overthrow them. God is saying there's a transformation that comes as you renew your mind. So how do we renew our minds? How do we connect with this idea that actually we're going to be transformed in this process if we renew what we're thinking about and the way that we're thinking? The best practice that we can take for renewing our minds, uh, well, there's two practices which I I would put together. Really, it's declarations and declaring the Word of God over our lives. But it's why I believe worship songs are so important for us, because in those moments, as we sing and as we worship, we're declaring truths about God which shapes something about the way that we think. How many of us, I have many conversations with many people in the congregation who say we just love to worship God here together as a body. And as we leave this place, we feel a sense of being lifted, a sense of actually things shifting in our lives and and feeling actually as we go out of this place that God, we've met with God and done something. I believe that's because we've declared truth. Now that isn't just confined to this space. I believe it's available for us each and every day. There's something powerful that takes place when we come and do that as a community. But I want to encourage you to do that each and every day with the Word of God to declare it and to make it personal to yourself. If you've never done this before, just start with Psalm 23 and turn each line, each verse into a declaration about what God has done and is doing for you. So we, we read the You know, God leads us. He is my shepherd. He leads us by quiet waters. What if you begin to declare, he leads me by quiet waters. He has led me to quiet waters. He restores my soul. Don't read that as if it's just like an external thing and personalize it. Make it your own. Make it a declaration that God is with you and for you, that he lays a table for you, that goodness and love are new every day, that they follow you into today. What if you started every day by making the declaration, goodness and love of God has followed me into today? Rather than thinking despair or difficulties, goodness and love is in today. Thinking those things begins to renew our minds and begins to transform the way that we think. Your mindset is not fixed. Your brain is actually um, what the scientists call a little bit of plastic that kind of can move around and be remolded and reshaped and reformed. 
it can be transformed as we renew our minds. So let's renew our minds based on the word of God and let's declare those things together. Point two is set our minds. So we can renew our minds, but we also need to set our minds. We've got to fix our minds on important things. The Gospels tell us that Jesus set his face like flint towards Jerusalem to do the will of God. And so he set his intention, his will, his strength, everything about him towards completing the will of God. I just wonder what would happen if we did the same with the will of God. We set our intention, our focus onto God and his things. Colossians 3, 1 to 4 puts it this way. Since then you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. This scripture then goes on to say, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. So there's loads here, we might want to leave that on the screen, Tom. There's loads here in terms of what Paul is talking about, what takes place for us as we're renewed when we fix our minds and our intention and our focus upon heavenly things. When we fix those things onto God, something begins to take place. We begin to realize that actually we are hidden with Christ Jesus. We are seated at the right hand of God. We are seated in heavenly realms. We can put off an old self, and then we can put on a new self. Now in that moment, there's a transformation moment that means that you have become something by putting on the new self. It's taken place. It's done. You know, so often I've I've thought or had this faulty thinking that actually if I practice certain things, if I read my Bible, if I pray, then I become a disciple of Jesus Christ. I I become made new in those processes. That's not true. What the Bible shows us here is you've already been made new. And those, those things that we then do because we've been made new are evidence of our renewal. So reading the Bible and prayer then becomes something that I enjoy and love to do because I've been made new. It's a different starting place and a different end point. If my end point is to become a disciple, uh, I'm never going to reach it. But God has already done that for me and therefore I act like a disciple and I experience, the outcome is then experiencing the love of God. The outcome isn't to become something. The outcome is to receive more of God himself into our lives. And so when we fix our minds on heavenly things, we understand that actually we're moving from a place where I am Lord and King to where God is. Paul ends this bit in um, Colossians 3 where he talks about we're renewed in the knowledge of God as our creator. You see, when we put God in his rightful place as God, it changes what we think about ourselves. 
It changes who we are and what God is doing in and through us. A disciple, being a disciple isn't about earning a title. It's just about welcoming in and experiencing the love of God and then showing that to other people. It's a perspective shift. And I want to encourage you to um, go on a bit of a journey with God and to think through what are those things in your life where you need a perspective shift? Are there areas of your life that you know you just ruminate on worry or anxiety? Are there things that we think about that might go wrong or that we're finding difficult? Are there things that actually we just focus on over and over and over? Instead of focusing on those earthly things, I'd love us to respond to the Word of God and to fix our minds on Christ and on heaven. Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned and received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. There's a shalom that we can experience as we think about good and praiseworthy, excellent and wonderful things. It's a choice that we get in those moments. We get a choice. We get an opportunity to fix our eyes on God and say, I'm going to focus upon you and what your word says. I'm going to focus on actually who you say I am, not who I think I am. I'm going to focus on what you're doing around me, not the stress and the pressures that I can feel in my workplace or in my community. We fix our eyes on heaven. Now, I believe this requires us um, to take a much more relaxed but also a, a slower process through Scripture. And one of the things I want to encourage us to do is, um, is to take, a, take time to read Scripture. Often we can think we need to read a lot or we've got to get through so much. I don't think we need to get through stuff. We need to study the Word of God to get it into our hearts and lives. And so there's a, a technique called the Lectio Divina, which is basically just a slow reading of Scripture. It's just a taking portions of Scripture, passages, and just reading them over and over. So reading them three or four times, allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to you as you encounter Him. Allowing Him, as you meditate on them through the day, for God to speak to you. It's a deliberate rereading of Scripture. It's taking time. God, come and speak to me as I read this. Let's not rush through. Let's encounter God as we read and we allow Him to speak to us. We will find we get so much more from it than trying to read as much as we can. Let's walk slowly through those things. It's said actually that love moves at three miles an hour. Love moves at three miles an hour. A slow walk, a slow pace. And often I think we can have this idea that we've got to rush through stuff or get through things as quickly as possible. But I want to encourage us to take our time as we walk with Jesus. Don't rush on ahead. Don't try and push on and get into the next thing before God opens that up. Don't lag behind, but walk with Jesus three miles an hour, a relaxed pace. Each and every day, connect with the Word of God. Make declarations and pray, but know that as you do so, it's a relaxed walk in the presence of Jesus Christ. So we fix our eyes and we fix our minds. We can renew our minds, we fix our minds, and then point three, we use our minds. So our minds are not stuck, they're not fixed. We can change them, we can see them transformed, as we re and our whole being is transformed as we renew our minds. We're not striving 
to try and get something or to prove something, but we're fixing our eyes on the things of heaven and the things that God is doing. Now, if we're going to use our minds, and I believe we've got to use them in the right way, and God gives us some um, brilliant advice in 2 Corinthians on how we should actually focus our prayers and what the intention of, these, of this is. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 and 5 puts it this way. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Just read that through again. We destroy arguments, thoughts, lofty opinions raised against the knowledge of God. Raised against the knowledge of God. Our battle is with spiritual weapons. So our battle isn't flesh and blood. Our battle is spiritual, and the spiritual weapons of prayer, the Word of God, faith, being filled with the Holy Spirit, allowing the power of God to work through our lives, all of those things are the spiritual weapons that we've got to put into place to allow God to move in power in our lives. <coughs> now, sometimes I think this, we can get this slightly the wrong way around, and we can think maybe that what this means is that if somebody's got an idea or an argument that's not very good, then I get to destroy their argument. I get to bring it down and just say, your argument's useless and rubbish. rubbish. Rather than actually looking at where this battleground is, which is in our own self, our own minds, rather than thinking about somebody else's, which there might be a place for in extreme circumstances, but actually so often the battle place is in our own minds. And our starting place is to say, God, where are the strongholds in my mind that need to be brought down? Where are there things in my life that actually I've got faulty thinking that is preventing me from connecting with you? That's preventing the knowledge of God being known in my life. Because it's when the knowledge of God is seen in and through us that we are changed and transformed. And so there are going to be strongholds in our minds. Now we've got to bring those things down through these spiritual weapons that we have. Now Beth Moore has written a great book called Praying God's Word. And um, I'd love to encourage you to get hold of that. That's quite um, a brilliant book, just looking at loads of different um, areas of strongholds or things that actually can be built up in our lives. Everything from anxiety through to pride, deception. There can be um, all sorts of stuff in there. But, um, and then it just gives a short couple of pages on each of the areas. And then about, each area has about 15 pages of the Word of God to pray over your life. So she's just copied and pasted loads of stuff from the Bible um, and made a book out of it. It's brilliant, it's genius. And, um, but basically that then just means it gives you the focus to enable you to break down those strongholds. It was a while ago now, but God um, has over a few times in my life, and I think I've shared this before, has um, brought up issues around pride in my life. And um, pride's one of those things that I call Trixie. It's Trixie, pride is Trixie, because the minute you think you're dealing with pride, you know you're not. And the minute you think you've dealt with pride, you definitely haven't. And so what I've found in my own life is a sense that actually I've had these times where God's highlighted this, and usually it starts as a thought, why do I always have to deal with this stuff? Nobody else is. You know, they're not. Why do I always have to deal with this? Oh, this is really unfair. We start with a, a why, kind of this feels really unfair. Once you've worked those things out, God usually stays silent with those things just to allow you just to calm down, let those things just... Um, subside. But once you deal with those things and say, God, actually, God, I yield to you. I get on my face before you and I surrender to you. 
and what you want to do. You can begin to experience God's love and power in a different way as we begin to break that stronghold down. Now, I call it Trixie because I remember one time that I did this on one day. The next day I was driving, just coming into the office, and I was thinking about how brilliant it was that I dealt with pride and how amazing it was and how all these, all these situations came to mind and I was like thinking, oh, all these people, they probably haven't. You know, there's all the, that, what about these young leaders coming through? They're going to have to go through these painful, difficult situations and they're going to have to deal with pride one day. And I thought, this is the same thing, just moved position. And there's just this moment then where you have to deal with pride all over again and say, God, I'm so, so sorry for this, these thoughts and these attitudes. Deception can be one of those things where we think, I'm not deceived, but how do you know? How do you know? We need good people around us that can help us. But also I believe we've got to allow God to speak into each and every area of our lives. Because it can be easy to say that actually in, this, in our moments in our lives, I'm not deceived or it's not something I've got an issue with. But actually, what about those areas in our life that God has been trying to speak to us about? The way that we use finance or when we talk about other people and gossip about them in the office. Perhaps it's the way that we think about others. Now, money's quite an obvious one because we can often think to ourselves, this is mine, and therefore I can do what I want with it. What if actually we began to allow God into that, to, go, to speak into it, to say, God, all of this is yours. What do you want to do with it? I believe there's things that actually can so easily come into our lives where deception can creep in, where actually we can think this isn't doing any harm, Watching this thing is okay, everybody else watches it, but actually it just begins to creep into our lives where we um, allow ourselves to get faulty thinking because we convince ourselves that what we're doing is okay. But I want to just prod and poke us a little bit and say, okay, where are we going to allow God to speak into our hearts and into our lives? Are there areas where actually we need to pick up some of these weapons of warfare and begin to pray and yield and submit ourselves to God and say, God, I'm going to pursue you and all that you have for me. And so scripture tells us we're not at the mercy of our minds and what we think. Because in those moments, there can be these strongholds that work. There can be these things that actually set themselves up against the knowledge of God. But our job is to be on guard, to watch for those things so that we can take them to Christ. Because then they need to obey to him. And so if you're not sure if you're in your head if a thought is a good one or not, simply ask the question, Jesus, what do you think? Because as you encounter God in that moment, Jesus will begin to speak into that and say, actually, this is a good thought or this isn't a good thought for you. We've got to, as Paul says, go back to those things of thinking excellent things, pure things, kind, lovely, glorious things. Think about the magnificence of God how big he is, how wonderful he is. Spend time thinking about that. You know, if you spent the same amount of time thinking about the magnificence of God as we do thinking about our worry and anxiety and things that might be taking place in life, I believe our lives would be changed forever. Now, as I've talked, there's various things that may have just come to mind. And you may be thinking, I need somebody to pray with me and to stand with me. There's going to be a prayer team available at the end. But I'd just love to, love us to move through and I'd love to lead us through a, a short section where we just get to, to pray and to talk to God about the things that I've shared this morning. So would you just close your eyes just for a moment? Because I've talked through several different concepts or ideas around renewing our minds, fixing our minds on heaven and on the things of God. 
of allowing God to come and speak into our hearts, our minds, where we use our minds in a different way. Where we take our thoughts captive. And so it may be that certain things have just come to your minds as I've been speaking. Areas that you know, actually, I need to just deal with something in this. Or you've had some faulty thinking about yourself or about somebody else. Now in this moment, I don't want you to think about what other people need to do or what they need to change. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, what are you doing in my life right now? You may have been inspired to begin to renew your mind around scripture and declarations of taking a slow walk with God. taking his hand and walking with him. Are there areas of your life that you know you've slipped in your way of thinking that you need to bring back in line with the word of God? Are there areas that you just know are not full of God's peace? I want you to invite God's peace into those areas. Are you challenged about what you're filling your mind with? Are there things you need to stop watching in order to pursue holiness? Are there ways of using technology that need to change in order to free up your attention and time and space to pray? It's the Holy Spirit. I pray that you come and speak to us now. Thank you we're not stuck where we are that our minds can be renewed, refreshed and restored, that we can be transformed in that process. Thank you, God, as we fix our eyes on you and the things of heaven, we get an eternal and a heavenly perspective on what you're doing. And Holy Spirit, I pray for each one of us here that you'd highlight with us one step that we can make something we can do differently. A different way to start the day. A different way to end it. But God, give us one step that we can do as we pursue you and as we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to pray one final prayer together, which is going to come up on the screen. And uh, if you're here today and don't yet know Jesus and you'd love an opportunity to, to, um, to pray this prayer and then to meet Jesus, to open your life to him, as we pray this prayer out loud, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. And so I want you to pray this prayer with a sense of saying yes to Jesus. Then I'm going to ask everyone to close their eyes. And then I'd love, um, in the stillness of that moment, if you prayed this prayer for the first time, for you to raise your hand for you to respond to Jesus and say yes to him. So let's read this out loud together. Thank you, God, for loving me before I ever loved you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. Thank you that I can get connected to you now because you are alive today. I admit that I've lived my life without you and have messed up. I ask for your total forgiveness and I commit myself to you. Help me to submit my life to your teaching and direction from now on. 
I receive you into my life and ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. If you'd just like to close your eyes for a moment. If you're here today and you've prayed this prayer for the first time and you want to respond to Jesus and say yes to him, I want to give you an opportunity to do so now. So as everyone's got their eyes closed, I just want to invite you to raise your hand now. I'm not going to ask you to do anything else. Just raise your hand nice and high and say yes to Jesus. Wonderful. Amen. Well, I'd love to encourage you to um, talk to your connect group this week about the things that you've um, felt prompted to do. What is your next step? What are you going to do differently? Um, chat to your connect group about that. Um, if you want prayer ministry, please do come forward to the front. Our team would love to stand with you and um, to pray for you. And um, I want to encourage us to go for this. And over the next few weeks, as we look at these different topics to get our mindset in line with the Word of God. And as we pursue wholeness in each of these areas, I believe that health and life is going to come to us in Jesus' name. Amen.